This is episode 44 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Tuesday, May 14th, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and I'm joined today by my friend, Alex Arena. How are you, old sport? I'm doing well. I like the old sport introduction. Yes. It fits well for our discussion today. Now, astute listeners of this podcast may have noticed something odd. Uh, and that is that I'm not, I don't have a soundboard date. No, that's not it. <laughs> uh, they may have noticed something odd in uh, that you're not my regular co-host. I am most definitely not your regular co-host. Not for this show. I am show. your regular co-host on a different show. That's right, but not not for this show. So, um, yeah. yeah. I, I'll try my best to, you know, keep up some some of the illusion that sure. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, I mean, episode. I don't think you sound that much different than Joe, right? So, uh, yeah, you know, now More Joe, as, as I mentioned last week, Joe had to be on vacation. He, he's basically abandoned us. Like, uh, he's just kind of left us out in the cold. And so we had, to, we had to come up with somebody and I said, well, who could I get to, to do this? And you, you had talked with me about doing the great Gatsby with us anyway, or I had talked with you. I don't remember how that went. I know. And I've been trying to get you on the show anyway. So as a, a good opportunity, I'm sorry you couldn't be here with Joe, but, um, anyway, it's good to have you on the show, Alex. Well, it is good to be here. All right, so the first item we have up today to talk about is an uh, an article I posted uh, last Thursday. Actually, it was so it was right after we did last week's episode of the podcast. But Kevin Feige of um, Marvel Entertainment, he's their CEO, I believe. He's he's talking some nonsense. Let me just read a little bit over here. Um, I believe I'll, I'll just read. I'll, you, you can read the full thing. I'll just skip down here. I believe there will be a fourth Iron Man and a fifth, a sixth, and a tenth, and even a twentieth. He told EW. I see no reason why Tony Stark can't be as evergreen as James Bond, Batman, or for that matter, Spider Man. And uh, so, and and he had, he to clarify. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but to clarify, he believes that Iron Man can go on without Robert Downey Jr. And uh, th- th- that's that's insane, if you ask me. I hmm. I don't see how in the world did you, did you have you seen Iron Man three? I have not. I saw the first two though, okay. and I really enjoyed them. But I don't know if that was. Now that you're making me think about it, I don't know if it was because of Robert Downey Jr. I mean, I know he's great and did a great job, but could you find someone to replace him? Well, not no, not right now. I mean, like I think years down the road you could, but it would just be silly. I mean, because I think this has kind of come up already because. Um, Robert Downey Jr., they're having some, they're already stalled in talks for him to be in the Avengers and these sorts of things. And I think that the studio's kind of just flexing their muscles a little bit, saying, well, it's, it's more like a negotiating tactic, but it's just bad PR as far as I'm concerned. And this is, this is just crazy talk. Because when, when I think of Robert Downey Jr., and I think anybody I t- have talked to about this, when they think about, um, Iron Man, they think about Robert Downey Jr., at least right now. And, you know, I know the comic book geeks are in a different, sort of genre but i'm talking about the people who identify with the movies so anyway it's just a little bit of nonsense going on there and you know ultimately we joe and i talked about this a little last week ultimately i just want a great iron man movie i want a great avengers movie i you know i want them to get it worked out and just go away and and i don't want to have to hear about this anymore (laughs) yeah i'm not really sure i think that maybe something like james bond does have a little bit more longevity than uh, Iron Man as a you know it, it's it's a book versus a comic book, which maybe that's just me, but I feel like no 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 I I completely agree. Um, it it certainly doesn't have the same gravity in some sense as as you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I I enjoy the films a lot. Yeah, I mean, I've never read a single comic book, let alone an Iron Man comic book. So yeah. I've just never really been into that. I can't say I've never read a single comic book, but it's not like something that I do. I don't generally read comic books, and yet I really enjoy the the, the comic book films. So anyway, I can say with some divinity that I've never read a comic book. I mean, it may, there may have been one that slipped in there, but for the most part. Uh, all right, so yeah, check this article out in the show notes uh, just to see a little bit of uh, how delusional Kevin Feige is. So um, that's in the show notes. Mark nice. Hamill likes Jar Jar is the next item I have up here. You know, and I feel a little bit lost without Joe on this because he usually, he'll sometimes he even puts these links into our outline. And so I'm sitting here going, okay, how do I introduce the next one? Because often he introduces our next topic. So I have no no good segue here. But Mark Hamill likes Jar Jar and the prequels. He, he has kind of stated to uh, the playlist. 
Um, are you a Star Wars fan? I don't know if we've ever talked about that either on on the other show that we do. I am not. I am not a Star Wars fan. Do you know? Like, have you watched the films? No, I've seen maybe one. What What, what are you doing on my show? What I don't I, know. <laughs> I don't. I'm really not. I I'm not a movie. I'm not a sci fi person. I've just uh, never. I mean, I'm. But but, I but just, okay, Star Wars. Very bad. Star Wars is not really sci fi. Star Wars is fantasy. What is the, what is the difference? Is there a difference? Yeah, I think so. I mean, because sci-fi obviously is a type of fantasy, but, um, you know, fantasy, I mean, Star Wars has an element of sci-fi, but it's a lot more about the, they don't try to explain it with science-y stuff. So, anyway, that, that's kind of the difference. So, Mark Hamill, um, I'll, I'll try to carry this segment. Mark Hamill um, has probably angered nerds everywhere by uh, talking about how Jar Jar isn't such a bad character and he's supposed to be annoying and... You know, those of us who are Star Wars fans, we kind of hate the prequels and especially the the first one with Jar Jar, with so much Jar Jar. He was in the other two prequels as well. But, um, you know, that's somebody on on our Facebook page uh, actually said, well, you know, he's just trying to suck up to uh, 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 George Lucas. And, and, you know, that doesn't make sense to me because George Lucas is kind of out of the picture now. So I think he really does like. The prequels, which, you know, I suppose he has a different viewpoint, uh, at, you know, because he played Luke Skywalker and he probably just doesn't go around watching his own films all the time. Most people don't. Um, so I suppose he has a different perspective and maybe he was able to sit down and enjoy these Star Wars films that he wasn't in. But ugh, oh, my goodness. So I do know of Jar Jar and he see he annoys me personally. <laughs> yeah, he he's morally offensive, right? <laughs> I think I I mean, he's just. Again, I, I'm joking, I don't, but I just wouldn't ever. I would never have a conversation with Jar Jar Binks. Okay, I'd never sit down with Jar Jar Binks. I would never be in the same room as him. I don't yeah. think I'd ever watch a movie with him in it. Well, see, I don't think I ever have. So, um, boy, the next the next item in the show notes it has to do with Star Wars as well. I'm trying to find something that you might be interested in, Alex. I'll just touch on this briefly. Kathleen Kennedy says Episode Seven draws on the original Star Wars and. So this is building on the you know the previous item with with Jar Jar and Mark Hamill. Uh, you know I'm I'm super excited to hear that on the one hand, although we'll see if it actually comes true because um, yeah we don't want them drawing on the prequels for their inspiration. So that's also in the show notes. We'll move along quickly from that to get to something that you might be interested in, and that is this. I think Alex may be more up your alley, which is the Gravity teaser trailer. I saw it. I saw it when I went to see Gatsby. Yeah, I, that was not in front of uh, Gatsby for me, but I saw it online. What, what did you think? Does that look promising? Um, I don't know how interesting it's going to be. My thought was uh, I went to see the movie with a couple people, and I turned over to, to one of the people who I was with, and I said, this would be great for 30 minutes. I don't know if I can take a feature-length movie of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that of a lot of just spinning around in space. Yeah, 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 and I think this this is an early teaser, so it's hard to get a sense for what the whole film is going to be about. And you're right if if the whole film is simply about them spinning around in space, then yes, this is going to be a bummer of a of a film. But I but think I don't there's think more that, there. No, no, no. I mean, there has to be more there. There has to be. It's the the concept certainly looks great, and and the two actors. Well, you know, I don't know a lot about George Clooney. I've seen a couple of his movies, and they're okay. Sandra Bullock, I've I've not seen every one of her movies, but the movies that I have seen her in, I think she's been pretty good. So, um, and and, and this is also interesting too. It's directed by Alfonso Cuaron. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It's C U A R O with a little strange mark over it. In Alfonso Cuaron, he did Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which it wasn't completely faithful to the book, but you, it would have been hard to make that film faithful to the book. And so I think he did a good adaptation. And he um, did Harry Potter? Yeah, he did. Well, he did Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. That was the third one. I don't know how yeah. familiar you are with Harry oh, Potter. Oh, no. I, well, I've seen all the Harry Potter. Okay. Have you read the books? Of course. Okay, good, good. So we're on the same page. Yes, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I thought, and I thought the third movie was actually really good. I think well, the third movie was one of my. The third was one of my favorite books, so I don't know how that. I don't know how that would yeah. predispose me to like the movie or dislike it. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. My favorite book is actually the seventh one, but the third one was pretty good. I, like I, I don't have like a hatred at all for any of the books, but for the movies, like 
the third one was pretty good. The first two were decent. Like they were a little bit, I think I've heard them described as workmanlike. I know this is a, a sidetrack, but it's a good one since you, since you're on the same page with me. Um, the first, first two movies, uh, directed by Chris Columbus were kind of a, um, people, I've heard people describe them as workmanlike. And what, what, what they mean is that he was just so faithful and he didn't really take any license or creativity with, with those first two films. And I kind of agree. They were decent. They weren't bad by any means, but, and they were faithful to the books. Where the third one, it, it, it veers a little away from the book, but in a good way, in a way that fits with the film, you know, with the medium of film, I think. So, um, I then, was, yeah, personally, I thought that the, um, I thought the movies did get better as they went along. And I think that did come with like the artistic license that they continue to take. Yeah. With the exception of the fourth one, I'll, I'll just admit the fourth one was terrible. The fourth film. So anyway, really? yeah, oh, you didn't like the fourth oh my goodness. I like the fourth book. I hate the fourth film. It's I terrible. was channel flipping the other day and, uh, the fourth movie was on and I watched maybe 10 minutes of it and I was enjoying it. Again, maybe it's because I'm just predisposed to like the books. I feel like that's uh, similar to my feeling for The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Which is why I feel as if I might not be, uh, I can't really be an unbiased reviewer because I've read the book. Well, I think when we get to The Great Gatsby here in a few minutes, you can help balance me out because I, you know, I, I didn't, spoiler alert, I did enjoy it a little more than the 1974 version that I watched a couple weeks ago. But anyway, um, so yeah, the, check out the Gravity teaser trailer. Here, I'll put this in the chat room oh, well, for, for those we, interested. We, we veered pretty pretty off topic there, didn't we? We did, but it was a good, it was a good veer <laughs> it because was a good. it was yeah. So the Gravity teaser trailer, I think that it's possible that this film is going to be pretty good. Um, it, at least interesting. Like it, it feels like it's going to be a little different from the normal fare you see in theaters, and I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Looks so, very cool. Yeah. I, and that's the other thing. I cannot believe that it's a major motion picture. Well, this when I saw this, it reminded me of remember the movie Moon. I have not seen it. No, I don't know if I know which one you're talking about. It was I was just called Moon. I I never saw it, but it was it was I think more on the indie end of things, and it uh it it reminded me very much of this. It might actually have been directed by the same person. I'm not really sure, but this is. I think something similar. Who knows? I don't know anything about movies. <laughs> and yet you're, you're, you're guest on a movie podcast today. So anyway, all right. Uh, another item before we get to actually we have two more items before we get to our main review today. And by the way, this may be a little bit shorter of a show just cause I, I tell you what, I have been running like crazy on this project at work. Just, uh, you know, I've been working till nine most nights and getting up at five and, you know, posting on Movie Byte early in the morning and then getting into work at 8.30. And eh, so this may be a little bit shorter of a show. Just just letting you know ahead of time. Hey, you go until you can anymore. Yep. I am, like I said, I've blocked out most of my night for this. So excellent. You, as long as it takes. Well, Joe and I have said sometimes we'll have a short show and then we wind up going for like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> so, but he's not here today. So maybe, maybe we'll find out if he's the long-winded one. <laughs> All right, so ABC picks up S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm really excited about this. Um, and again, this is because of my affinity for the Marvel movie series. So I, I don't know, I may be alone in this, but I really, I really am uh, looking forward to S.H.I.E.L.D. Actually, it's been renamed to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm still uh, you know, calling it S.H.I.E.L.D. because that's easier. So um, have you had a chance to watch the uh, little teaser promo for this? I have not. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, there, there's not. A, we didn't get to see a lot from the actual show. They had like some, you know, jumbled up, mixed up footage from the different comic books, and then they'll they'll flash a little bit of a scene. Uh, but they're obviously trying to tie it in and connect it with. Uh, here, I'll just play a little bit of it here. They're they're trying to tie it in and connect it. The cases that Shield hasn't classified. From director Joss Whedon. The unknown. There's the Hulk, Thor. Such a spy versus spy anymore. Somebody falling out of a window. Somebody saving her. So this is theater of the mind, right? So I'm trying to explain it to you as we go here. <laughs> Don't touch Lola. Lola appears to be a car. Oh, by the way, so we, I, this is obviously, this very much confirms what we've already known is that Agent Coulson is not actually dead. He's, he's here and he's alive and kicking in the uh, trailer here. And uh, some agent was trying to uh, use his car, an older model of some kind. And uh, 
and he says don't touch Lola. So that's that's his car. I, I you know, this I I enjoy almost everything from Joss Whedon. Almost everything. The one exception to that is um Serenity, the film following up on Firefly. And Serenity, it's not like it was a bad film. It just didn't feel like a Joss Whedon film or thing to me. So I'm looking forward to it. Have you seen any of any? Okay, I'm sure you've seen the Avengers, right, Alex? I have seen the Avengers. I'm looking on Joss Whedon's uh, Wikipedia page now. Okay. Because I feel as if I've seen a lot of things by him. Have you seen Buffy? Uh, I have not seen Buffy. I've seen You Dr. are dead Hall. to me. I have. You know what I saw that I really enjoyed? I saw Cabin in the Woods. I, okay, now I'm probably dead to you. I haven't seen that. I've heard about it and I want to see it just because it's Joss Whedon. It doesn't sound like my kind of thing, though. That's what's been like, like, eh, that's why I've kind of been hesitant. And I certainly wasn't going to see it in theaters. Is, do you know if it's out on, and I should know this, I'm the movie guy, right? Do you know if it's out on uh, uh, iTunes or anything yet? This was a very rare time when I watched something on demand. Um, okay, so it's on demand right it now. It was not, I don't exactly know why I chose to watch it. Um, I, I was with some friends and I, I don't know if they influenced it at all because I, I thought when I, I didn't really know anything about it going into it, um, but it kind of just looked like a cheesy horror film, um, and it is uh, like it's like a comedy horror movie, but it is uh, they do a really good job. The ending is not what you would ex- it's not what you would expect. It's really cool. There are some actually uh, sci-fi elements to it, and uh, my favorite part of it was who is uh, it's actually there is a uh, Actor from the West Wing, Bradley uh, Whiteford, Whitford, uh, plays like one of the scientists in it. So I was just sold on it from then. I have a very uh, severe allegiance to anybody from the West Wing. Yeah, we, we talk about that a little bit sometimes on In the Queue. So, uh, by My the way, rational love for the West Wing. Yes, we'll we'll uh, we'll mention this again at the end of the show. But uh, for those who want to check up on your other work, Alex, they can go to que.am and. Uh, they can catch up on a show that you and I do there called In the Queue. So. Which appears to be very similar, but we kind of talk a little bit more about TV. Uh, and we're not, you know, the things that we talk about are, are long out of theaters generally. Oh, yeah. D- usually, yeah. So it's a good, you know, they're related, but not at all the same. Yep. So anyway, that's uh, on In the Queue. We often talk about this and you, you keep bringing up your love for the West Wing. So sooner or later, I'm going to have to watch a, a few episodes of the West Wing just to I see. I mean, if you want me to see something like Star Wars, you're going to it's a give and take. You're going to have to see the West Wing. OK. All right. Well, you'll have to see the West Wing regardless because it's part of being an American citizen. I think. Yeah. I yeah. Think well, you have to see Star Wars because that's part of being an American citizen. But but not you, you have to see the first Star Wars film because it's necessary to see Empire Strikes Back. But you have to see the Empire Strikes Back because that is not my favorite film ever, but it is up there like it's it's a great film. So uh, in the chat room, Haro is asking if that is on Netflix. I'm assuming he's referring to Star Wars uh, or or you know what? Because we have a little bit of delay, he might be talking about the West Wing. So I'll look that up and find out. I don't know for sure. He also says you have a cool name, Alex, which I agree. Right. Alex Arena is a pretty cool name. This is something which has actually come up recently. As I start, as I started to become, you know, more well known online, uh, I never really had people mention to me like I have a cool name because I guess I just know people and nobody says it. But apparently, it's a cool name, and I would never think of it as a cool name because it's just you know my boring name, right? Um, but every. <laughs> There, uh, I've actually got a couple screenshots of like articles, especially that Ben Brooks has written. In, ben Brooks has re- written uh, in relation to things that I've written. Uh-huh. And usually, in the footnotes of them, there's a like a reference to like the blogger with the coolest name or something. And I, yeah, cool. well, I, I even saw one time you got a comment from Marco Arment about what a cool name you had, which is I pretty cool. Weird. I think people think that it's fake. I don't know why I would pick this as a fake name. Somebody at the Apple Store the other day. Well, to be uh, fair, I mean, it could be. It really could be. I guess so. Yeah, but somebody at the Apple Store the other day was like, uh, like, oh, it's a really cool name. You should name an arena after yourself. And I was like, ah, oh, good <laughs> one. You got me. Yeah, you've never heard that one before. <laughs> oh, I've never heard that one before. Sometimes people ask me, like, as in a sports arena, and then I don't know what else to say. I'm like, well, the other kind of arena isn't a thing. I think it is just a sports arena. Um, so yeah, no famous arenas though. So, so the West if I Wing ever make fame and fortune. 
so the, the <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> man i got something in my throat so the west wing is on netflix and i've just put that in the chat room i'm also putting it in the show notes by the way the show notes for this episode will be at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 44 when this episode finally goes live in the feed that's where you'll find the show notes so I actually, not to interrupt, but I actually thought that the person who was asking about whether or not that was on Netflix was in was uh, referencing Cabin in the Woods, and I just posted in the chat room. It uh, Cabin in the Woods, surprisingly, uh, for a relatively recent movie, is on Netflix. So uh, TJ, get ready because if you don't watch it now, I am going to probably recommend it sometime in the future uh, okay. or in the queue pick. All right, I'm putting that in the show notes as well. Right now, as we speak, I'm pasting it in Cabin in the Woods, directed by, uh, not what? Joss Whedon. It says directed by Drew Goddard. Did you get the right movie? Of course I got the right movie. Wikipedia is never wrong. I think that's a fact. Uh, interesting, okay. How could this not be? I mean, I might be wrong. Who knows? All right. Well, we'll, we'll I'll put a note here in, in the uh, show notes, in my own personal show notes to research and make sure this is the right thing because this is directed by Drew Goddard. So this may not be the right thing. So right. those those that got that link in the chat room, just be aware that we're not – I'm not completely clear on that yet. All right. And uh, now I'm trying to juggle my notes and all – Co-wrote and produced. Windows. There you go. Okay. So this is the right one. Yeah. This is the right one. All right, there you go. That We have the official word right here, right now, live as we broadcast. Uh, and I'm trying to juggle too many windows here and trying to get to the next topic. Um, and uh, Google Docs is telling me this is an invalid link. So now uh, I'm describing to you how I'm working here. Uh, I am going to moviebyte.com and I'm looking for this link. Uh, this was about Tom Hanks and Captain Phillips. I'm scrolling. I'm trying to find it. Uh, I there will give you it my is. initial reaction that is the worst name for a movie I've ever heard. I okay. also saw a a trailer for this uh, before. Um, uh, what do you call it? Before The Great Gatsby. But Captain Phillips looks like a cool movie. And I actually thought, oh, what do you know? All right, there you go. It is actually a biopic. Uh, because I was saying I remember the uh, Alabama hijacking. So this movie personally, is one that I think I'll be seeing in theaters. Yeah, me too. And and just because, as you said, it is based on a true story. Um, and so this stars Tom Hanks. Uh, as I, I'll, I'll just uh, read the really short synopsis here. The true story of Captain, R- Captain Richard Phillips and the 2009 hijacking by Somali pirates of the U.S. flagged MV Maersk. Is that how you say that? Do you know? Uh, I think it is Maersk. Maersk, Maersk. Alab- uh, Maersk, Alabama. The first American cargo ship to be hijacked in 200 years. See, that's like a uh, it's like one of those big conglomerates, Maersk. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So there you go. Uh, that trailer is also in the show notes. And so this is one that I'll be interested in seeing. You know, I think Tom Hanks does decent work. I've not seen uh, any of his uh, movies lately. I, what movies has he been in lately? It's kind of weird. Like, I don't know what movies he's been in. Um, Tom Hanks. Thank you. You know what? Wikipedia. I know a lot of people are IMDb fans. I've always used Wikipedia for movies. Uh, because you also can get really nice uh, bios outside of just acting and all that. Uh, I have no idea what movies Tom Hanks has been in, but I find him. I think he. Oh, he was in the Cloud Atlas movie. Oh, that's right. That's what I saw him in the last. Which uh, I, I put that from my I mind. Didn't, I didn't see that movie, and it kind of looked. Was that like with the? Uh, ooh, what's his name? Like the High School Musical kid. I don't know. I've never no, seen No, that's the other musical. one. Never mind. Um, well, it had, you know, like uh, Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, um, who else I'm looking up right now, Jim Broadbent, uh, Hugo Weaving, Jim Sturgis, uh, Ben Wishaw. So it had a great cast, but man, the story was terrible. Um, I, I, I hated that movie so much, that uh, legendarily. Uh, if, if you are a fan of Movie Bite and been following me for a while, the whole, what, eight or nine months we've been running – uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't like that film, but you know, whatever. So, uh, anyway, this, this film starring Tom Hanks does look interesting. Uh, and again, just even just the, the bi- biopic nature of it looks interesting to me. Cause like, I'm interested in, in seeing that story and seeing how that plays out. So, uh, I wonder how I didn't know that there were that many details about this. And so hopefully of, uh, what do you call it? Of the actual hijacking. I didn't. There were no like tell-all books written or anything. Yeah, I've not heard. I actually, I I kind of remember the incident, but I put it from my mind until I saw this trailer. Here, I'll just I'll play a little bit of the trailer. 
Okay, that's like a the Guardian, the whole picture logo. We're seeing the Columbia logo, Columbia Pictures. We see a ship in the water. We see a radar. Here's Tom Hanks looking at the radar. He's looking out the window. He's looking through his uh, binoculars. Everything okay? I don't like the look of that. So anyway, yeah, it looks really interesting. Uh, so be sure to check that out. That's in the show notes as well. We'll oh. be talking about it on In the Queue in two or three years. <laughs> no yeah, doubt. Sure. Thank you, Netflix. So anyway, uh, speaking of In the Queue, I'm looking it up right now. I forgot to put it in the show notes. You and I did an episode of In the Queue, and I'll link to that in our show notes, uh, where we talked about um, The Great Gatsby. Uh, 1974 version starring Robert Redford. So if you want a little background uh, on how I feel about that film, I'm sure I'll be talking about it here as well. Here it is. Uh, episode 15 of In the Queue. Uh, that's going into the chat room and into the show notes. Uh, so be sure to check that out for just a little bit more background on how both of us feel about that uh, particular version of the film. Uh, but we're here to talk about, and the reason you're on with me today, Alex, is to talk about The Great Gatsby 2013 version starring Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, who else? Uh, Toby Maguire, Carrie Mulligan, Joel Edgerton, Elizabeth Debicki. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. And it was directed by Boz Lerman, who also wrote, co-wrote the screenplay with Craig Pierce and uh, based on the novel, of course, by F. Scott Fitzgerald. What do you think? Um, I think a few things. Uh, and I know that you haven't read the book, so this yes, might that not is, make... That is a problem. It is a problem. This is a book that most high school students are required to read, so you should read it, uh, as it is the American novel. But I'm not going to lecture you on the books that you should read. <laughs> I will lecture you on the movies that you should watch, however, yeah, and as the I, TV shows. As I found um, out last week, you're just a whippersnapper. You're not allowed to lecture me. Yeah, I'm not allowed to lecture you at all. <laughs> um, so what I, what I will say is that uh, I'm going to echo the concerns, first and foremost, of uh, an Atlantic reviewer who I read who said that uh, – and I thought he summed it up nicely – uh, that when it's entertaining, uh, it's not Gatsby. And when it's uh, Gatsby, it's not really entertaining. So this is not a departure from any previous Gatsby film in that it can't really, um, it doesn't really capture the essence of the novel and like the, and the underlying, uh, I, the heart of the novel, I guess. And it, and it doesn't succeed at that. But it did succeed uh, at, for me, was as somebody who's read the book a couple times, uh, and I know a lot of these lines by heart, it was mm. very true to the book, uh, at least in the script. So, in that way it was. In that way. Um, so I could see when a lot of lines were coming up. And to me, this was like uh, like if the book had pictures and a really cool Jay-Z soundtrack. <sighs> uh, we'll get to that. Oh, my goodness. All right, so let's start off with soundtrack. You sound like you did not like it. Well, okay, I um for the most part, actually, a lot of the music was good. I, I can't. I have a hard time unless I've seen a film a couple of times recalling specifics to mind about a soundtrack. But I didn't have any problem with the with the soundtrack in general. What I had a problem with is the use of popular, current popular music, pop music, rap music, uh, Jay Z. As you mentioned, uh, did did they even have a Lady Gaga song in there? I can't remember. Um, I don't think there was. I'm I've been a big fan of the soundtrack, and I've actually listened to okay. it outside of the film. So, but, but to my I, knowledge, no Lady Gaga. Okay, I I just know that it was it was people like you know popular pop you know pop and rap, and and they use that in a 20s setting for the dance music, and that just didn't work for me on any level whatsoever. I I know what they were trying to accomplish, right? I know what Boz Lerman was trying to accomplish. He was trying to say, okay, this is what this sort of party, this is the sort of party they were at. This is what it would feel like in modern day. So I'm taking you there by giving you this music to help you get to where this this would be for the 20s, right? That was what he was trying to do, but it failed as far as I'm concerned. It did not work for me. I, on the other hand, thought that it was great. And this is actually part of, I actually have had a soft spot for a while for that kind of music. Um, a lot of it. So uh, there is one song. Uh, I think it's called like a little party has uh, ain't never killed nobody, which is obviously uh, supposed to be ironic because everybody knows that especially parties in the twenty and there's you know the drunk driving scene. Sure. Um, 
and uh, Myrtle partying has killed quite a few people. Um, <laughs> right. But obviously their mentality is that a little party never killed nobody. Um, yeah, it is. Um, I just pulled up a soundtrack. Um, what it is, is it's like a mix of uh, that like swing music with electronic music. And if you've ever heard of a, mus- of a musician called uh, Parov, P-A-R-O-V, Stellar, S-T-E-L-A-R. Uh, he's this Austrian musician who I have no idea how I found. But he does that. He mixes like old swing music with like dance sounding music. Mm, interesting. Very weird. But it is a genre. And I've known about it uh, before The Great Gatsby. So this was this was a great soundtrack to me. Yeah. And, and I, I can certainly understand. Like I said, I understood what he was trying to do. And so I can early, certainly understand the perspective that somebody could like I don't I don't fault you for thinking it's great. And I, I will say that part of the problem, too, is probably that it's just not quite my genre. I, I've admitted on the show before, and I'll admit it again, that one of my, uh, as, I, as, as I say in the, in the vernacular, guilty pleasures, uh, but just really, I, I like, in general, the sound of modern pop music, not rap. I don't like r- rap or, or whatever. And I don't even know if rap is the right genre uh, for anything that was in this film, so understand that I may be misspeaking. But I didn't like the genre of the dance music that was in this film. Uh, and that that could be coloring my perspective. I do I do like in general um, some pop music from some artists who I uh, I have problems with them maybe in, with their lifestyle or whatever. But some of their songs I kind of like. So uh, in any event, that may be coloring my perception um, of of the music. And so I, I I I I can respect your opinion that the music is not. I haven't lost all respect for you uh, over this. Right. <laughs> I think that this is. Again, you know, is it uh, is it good music for a Gatsby movie? I think you definitely make a good point that this is, uh, you know, maybe not good for a 20s movie. But I, I do see, as you said, what uh, Lerman was trying to do here. So I understand it. And again, uh, this is just a genre which I liked. So I think that yeah. I'm predisposed to like it. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing. Like, if it had been appropriate, if the music had been appropriate, even if it's not my favorite genre of music, if it had been appropriate to the story being told, that would have been fine with me. But this is a, a period piece. This is a 20s piece, and the music just didn't feel right to me. So I won't harp on this too much. That, but, but since we're talking, we usually talk about our likes and then our dislikes, but we'll go ahead and get our dislikes out of the way. Um, I will mention um, my big, big dislike, and then I can see if you have any, Alex. But um, wait, 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 one second before you say any of that. Okay. Did you understand what was going on in the film? Yes, absolutely. It was a this this film conveyed that was going to be one of my things that I liked about this film. After I was still very confused after watching the 1974 version with Robert Redford, and to some extent, I don't know how much that prepared me for really knowing what to look for in this film. I don't think that that colored my judgment because I think this film was just much more coherent in general. And, and 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 I was able to understand the story a lot better in this 2013 version than I was in the 1974 version, which was just completely incoherent. All right, that makes me that's something that I'm glad to hear because again, I've read the book. So for me, I wasn't even really paying attention to the story because I knew what was happening. And that's sure. what Larman tried to do. I heard him uh, interviewed a couple times before I went to see the movie and he was saying, oh, this is going to be very faithful to the book. So I kind of knew what to expect. Right. So I didn't, I wasn't keeping an eye out, even though I probably should have been for, you know, how did someone, how would somebody who hasn't read the book, uh, how would they see the movie? Uh, so I'm glad to see that it was coherent to you uh, because Gatsby movies sometimes have this that, that problem. Yeah. And obviously the 1974 version, which I'll, I will continue to reference just because, um, because it's the only other frame of reference I have for this particular story. Um, to answer your question in the chat room, I don't believe it's on YouTube. Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime, uh, the 1974 version. Um, so you can find it on uh, Amazon for sure. I don't know about any other mediums. Uh, it is on Netflix. It's on Netflix it as well. The other day as well. Okay. So, so uh, that the 1974 list. version is on Netflix and on Amazon. Um, you know what? You might be able to find. I'm not advocating this. But, no. You, know, uh, we, we, you we might don't. be able to find it on YouTube. Please don't, because that's. That's not right. Yeah, if you've got a Netflix account, which most people do. Yeah, just perfectly that. legal. Okay, so so my other big dislike, and really my only other big dislike for this film, but it's a biggie, and it really brought my star rating down. I did write the review already on moviebyte.com. 
Uh, and that is, I still have a problem, as I mentioned on In the Queue uh, with you, Alex, with the 1994 version, I still have a problem with the ultimate conclusion of the story. Uh, let me try to frame it here. Nick Carraway is the protagonist for this film. He's telling the story. It's from his perspective. And even though in the 1974 version he was not giving a voiceover and telling the story, it really was kind of from his perspective the whole time. And so he's kind of, by default, your protagonist. Um, as is Jay Gatsby. He is also your protagonist by the way the film is framed. And his... Um, his Boy, I don't want to spoil it yet. I wanted to wait until later in the in the film. For those who may not be familiar with the story, I wanted to wait for later in the show. How can I say this without spoiling it? I don't like what Gatsby is trying to do. He is trying to do something that is uh, very, to me, morally objectionable. And uh, yet Nick Carraway holds him up as this hero throughout the story and throughout the, even and in his conclusion, he was such a hopeful man and he, you know, he always had this great hope and he was such a good man. And, you know, th- that that bothers me. Like, I, I yes, even even so, this film is, is a cautionary tale and, and can be taken that way. But I didn't feel like they drew the conclusion properly. Hmm. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, I think that that is uh, I think that in a lot of ways, the movie, like you said, kind of a cautionary tale, but also the. Uh, you know, even though the book is called The Great Gatsby and even though the movie is called The Great Gatsby, nobody's really decided whether or not he's great yet. I've decided um, he's not. And I, well, I think, you know, that's, I suppose there's no general consensus. I'm, you know, people have opinions either way. Um, I think the point is that, you know, one of the lines from the movie and one of the lines from the book, the most, like one of the most famous quotes ever is like, you can't repeat the cat. You can't repeat the past. Right. That's the one well, I opened. Of course my, you can. I've, I've opened my article with that quote. And I think that's what's, that's what's hopeful about him. That's what's, I yeah. mean, but again, you can't repeat the past is what. And so that he's going after this married woman who he obviously can never have. And spoiler, even, spoiler, spoiler. Well, <laughs> Yeah, spoiler. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's okay. We've spoiled it now. I I was about to say we're going to spoil it. So, I think <laughs> there you go. I'd, Im- I'd imagine that most people have read the book. Yeah, probably. So, so I'm probably the only person on the planet Earth who hasn't. Definitely one of the few in America. Um, okay, so so okay, so now that we've sounded the spoiler alert, uh, and we're probably going to spoil it for those listening who want to come back to this. We're probably going to spoil it for I don't know what three or four minutes here. Um. Spoiler: Gatsby dies. All right. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so my, here's what happens: is here's here's kind of the plot of Gatsby is that he fell in love with um, uh, Daisy Buchanan, and at the time she was not married. Her name was not Buchanan, and then he went off to the war. She married, and now he's come back, and he's trying to get her back away from her husband, convince her that she she never loved her husband. And but he was also poor back then, which is part of the American dream aspect of this. He was a poor. Right. Kid who could have never married her now he's um be- well because he's a gangster is you know what you later learn um, right is how he made his money but regard regardless he makes this money and he cares about making all this money because of daisy daisy is part of his dream for his life and that's essentially my problem is that i don't feel like like the I feel like Nick Carraway is still kind of holding him up as this hero, and I'm sitting here going throughout the film. He's trying to steal this man's wife. Now, it, it, let, let it be said, Tom Buchanan was a nasty piece of work. <laughs> you know, sleeping around on on her and stuff. I don't really advocate that either. So, anyway. The, the, I well, just, that's the other thing. Nobody in this is, and it's a commentary on 20 society, so obviously nobody in this is exactly particularly moral. And True. It's not even... You know, again, part of the soundtrack, uh, the song that a little party never killed nobody. Uh, it is the reckless actions that they have catch up with them, you know, in more ways than one. Yeah. You know, this well, reckless, to, you can say with some uh, divinity that this reckless behavior that they have uh, and this carelessness catches up with them, except for uh, Daisy and Tom. That's because true. Because the the rich, re, you know, you see, uh, the, these old rich people, the people who have always been careless, the most careless people, uh, in the book, in the movie, 
uh, they just go away. They don't have to worry about anything. Uh, you know, she's killed a man by the, uh, she's killed another a woman by the end of the book or by the end of the movie. And she gets away with it. Yeah, that is true. Because it's, they were these invincible members of society. Um, and they just continued to be careless. So there's definitely a commentary there and, you know, they cheat and they do all of these things and they party and it's of no effect to them. Yeah. And, and I do appreciate that aspect of the commentary. I, I certainly, I'm not saying that this film is all bad by any means. I'm just saying that that one aspect bothers me. So, and I, I do agree with you. I, there's a lot good here and there, there certainly is a cautionary tale in this. And, and there is the aspect of, um, you know, the, the rich can get away with things. I, I, I certainly, you know, I'm, I'm don't want to get into politics, but, um, I, I certainly do think that that can be a problem. Let's put it that way. So, and, and, you know, the, the kind of the idea of behind the United, the founding of the United States is that all men should be created equal as far as the law is concerned. So anyhow, those are, those are really, uh, the, the, that, that little bit about the music at the, the parties at Gatsby and then that business that we just got out of the way. Those are my only two dislikes. Do you, do you have any others? Um, I think that the water was poorly rendered. The water was poorly rendered? The water was poorly rendered. There you mean like in the scenes. ocean as they were they were flying across it with the CGI? Mm-hmm. I think they could have done a lot better. I know mm. that's like a very, I know to a lot of people they're going to be shaking their heads saying, oh, well, you're nitpicking. But I don't think so. You are. Uh, I think, I, you know, I, did not I watched notice. it on this gigantic IMAX screen and yeah, you notice it. Oh, see, I didn't see it in IMAX. So that could be the, that could be the issue because I didn't notice that. In fact, I really thought, wow, they've, they've really kind of upped the game here. This is some really great uh, CGI or some really great storytelling uh, tools that they've got going here. And, and you know, th- this kind of leads into, and, and d- since we're, we're here, we'll talk about it. This kind of leads into, starts talking about my likes for the film. And I really like this film stylistically. I really, really loved this film in a lot of ways in terms of technical filmmaking. Uh, it's very stylized, but that's good. I mean, it was a period piece that was very stylized and, uh, you know, the, the storytelling itself is just very coherent and what the film is well put together. It tells you what it needs to tell you when it needs to tell you it, unlike the previous version of the film I saw. I did think that I like the style. Yeah, um, absolutely. Again, I think that this is we're starting to transition away. For, I think that we're going to see the, the Great Gatsby become like a Shakespeare piece where people uh, and this is something that Lerman said that I think resonated with me that, you know, every generation is going to have their Gatsby movie. So this is ours. Uh, and, you know, 20, 30 years from now, there's going to be another one. And there, you know, the style might be different there. But again, because it's got such a powerful underlying story, you can mess around with the way things look. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, and and um, there there was uh, I wanted to address this real quick. There's a question in the chat room uh, that he says he usually thinks of the Great Gatsby as a feminine movie or or a chick flick, uh, and he would place it with Jane Austen. Um, no, I I no. totally would disagree with that. Like I think you've gotten the wrong impression. I think that uh, this film, while it's very stylistic for sure, I would not make it in the in the same genre as a chick flick at all. And, and this is coming from a guy who I enjoy the occasional chick flick. Uh, another, I suppose, in the vernacular, guilty pleasure. Uh, for yeah, instance, it's definitely not a chick flick. No, not um, at all. Um, yeah, it, it because it's a. Th- I think you know the characteristic of a chick flick is, you know, I suppose you can just watch it and be careless about it and it's you know like the plot is you know like within the first five minutes oh like i'm single and there's a boy that i like and then there a, a boy walks by who she likes and by the end of the movie guess what they get married like this is not this yeah. is not groundbreaking stuff that you can watch and you can be pretty certain what's going to happen this is okay I've, a I've, much deeper piece i've gone to the source of all knowledge to define a chick flick which is wikipedia uh chick flick is a slang term for a film genre mainly dealing with love and romance and designed to appeal to a largely female target audience although many types of films may be directed toward the female gender chick flick is typically used only in reference to films that are heavy with emotion or contain themes that are relationship based chick flicks often are released in mass around valentine's day by that definition i would not call this a chick flick because uh, usually in chick flicks, doesn't the, I mean the chick flicks that I've seen, the the chick winds up happily married ever after to the, the guy, right? And this certainly doesn't happen here. This this is much more, uh, uh, how would you say? 
this is this is much more depressing than that <laughs> yeah well it's again and this is not i think that it's just it's not it doesn't have and it's it's not really a piece about romance no not at all thing. it's not, not really, at all there is like I th- you know there are some like romantic scenes in it but again it's that's not the reason why the movie exists or why the book was written yeah it was not to tell a romantic story and for sure uh if it was then it would basically if you ask me fail at that because it's not that's not what it is so in my opinion uh and i think probably most people would agree this is not by anybody's standards a chick flick so watch it uh with with no guilt you don't need to think that you're watching a chick flick (laughs) um uh, I, I do I do enjoy a couple of chick flicks. There's one I, I'm trying to think of the name. It while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock and uh, Bill Pullman. That that is actually a really great film. It is technically a chick flick, but it's a really great film. Uh, so I I don't I don't have any any problem. Maybe in, maybe in my past years I would have been embarrassed to admit that, but I don't care at all. That's that's fine if you think of me strangely for that. You know, it occurs to me that we are how 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 long into this episode and we haven't uh we haven't really talked too much about the actual plot. So let me go ahead and summarize that. The film is based on the 1925 novel of the same name. It is set in Long Island, New York in 1922. Nick Carraway is a World War I veteran, and now he's a bond salesman renting a house on Long Island. He lives next door to a strange millionaire who throws extravagant parties. Nick has a cousin, Daisy, uh, Daisy Buchanan, married to Tom, who is acquainted with Nick by way of college. Nick spends some time getting reacquainted with his cousin Daisy and her husband Tom. But he also begins to get to know Gatsby as he is mysteriously invited to be a guest at one of the extravagant parties Gatsby throws. Gatsby enlists the help of Nick to get back in touch with Daisy, who he once and uh, who he was once and still infatuated with. He intends to reclaim her from her husband and convince her that she never loved him. So that's that's a little bit about the film. Um, the, the this film did open on May the tenth. It uh, had a budget of one hundred and five million. It opened to uh, 50 million uh, over the weekend, um, and the critical acclaim on Rotten Tomatoes is that is is this. While certainly ambitious and every bit as visually dazzling as one might expect, Boz Lerman's The Great Gatsby emphasizes visual splendor at the expense of its source material's vibrant heart. I don't quite agree with that, although I haven't seen the source material, haven't read the source material. So you, I think, have a bit different perspective as you've already uh, mentioned. So, um. Uh, it didn't quite, as far as the box office goes, it did not quite beat out Iron Man 3. <laughs> not not quite as an understatement. Iron Man 3, for its second week out, brought in $72.5 million domestically and is currently sitting at a pretty little total of $949 million worldwide. That's in, a, that's in Avenger territory. So, And that's week number two for Iron Man 3. The Great Gatsby, I wouldn't call $51.1 million bad. So that's 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 obviously good. I mean, it was never it, it was going to have a hard time beating Iron Man, even though Iron Man is in its second week. Yeah, so. I think you know it's box office wise, and it was even kind of again not it was not uh, an outstanding critical reception, but it's certainly the best one yet. That's true. That is that is true. In fact, let me let me pull up Rotten Tomatoes here um, and just see where it's sitting right now. Okay, so the Tomato Meter, the the critics are giving it a forty nine percent approval rating. Uh, the audience, however, is at 84%. And, you know, I've got to say, I think 49% is, though Though I only give it three of five stars, uh, 49% seems a little low to me. So, um, you know, and I often disagree with critics. So that's fine. I'll, I'll disagree with the critics. So, anyway, uh, yeah. wh- what else did we, did we like about this film? Boy, I'll tell you what. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio makes a much better Jay Gatsby than Robert Redford ever thought about doing. Agreed. He he was absolutely great. Um, I think that uh, they did actually a pretty good job with the um, with casting of Meyer Wolfshine. Again, uh, you know, you saw just uh, there were certain there were certain things which were kind of random that I thought throughout. Uh, like at one point, you see these like very affluent uh, black people in uh, like one of those like crazy 1920s cars, like popping bottles of champagne. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't, did, did that exist in the twenties? There were a like, few things throughout besides just the music that made me want yeah. did, did that really exist in the twenties? I don't I know. Like, I, I don't, you know, I, from what I've read, you know, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, there, there might've been, if anything, it was like a fringe case. Um, 
But Wait. I don't know if he was trying to make a point there or anything. But then Meyer Wolfsheim, uh, they cast uh, an Indian person to play him. And he did a good job. And I was like, okay, well, I suppose the commission's successful. I just don't know what you're going for here. Yeah, that was a little confusing to me, too. And, and, and to be fair, I mean, I really don't know a lot about the early 1900s. Like, I could probably more accurately describe the 1800s than I could the early 1900s. Like, like I even had the thought, okay, when, when you're zooming into New York and it's lit up like a Christmas tree, and I thought to myself, was would it look like that, like like the electricity is completely lighting up the place? I mean, I know electricity was around, obviously, but was it that prominent? I think in New York, probably. I just, again, you, there's no way of really. Yeah, who knows? Saying, I mean, I neither of us are historians, so we can't really say with any. But I, I think, you know, I've heard other people raise that question, you know. Uh, what is he trying to say here? What is he doing? But we will see. Definitely putting his own spin on it. Yeah, definitely. And and like most of these things I, I thought were fine, though. So um, I, I stylistically, it was great. So Leonardo DiCaprio, getting back to that, um, I think he did a really great job as Jay Gatsby. Um, I'm, I, for some reason, I closed the window, and I didn't mean to do that. Let me pull it back up here. I wrote in my review a little bit about uh, Gatsby, and I don't think I could summarize it better off the cuff. So let me pull this up here. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, these, um, they're, they're kind of, in my mind, three main characters in the film, and that is um, uh, Daisy Buchanan, Nick Carraway, and, of course, Jay Gatsby. Those are the three main characters to me. And, and Jordan Baker and Tom Buchanan are, they're almost main characters, right? To me, anyway. Uh, yes. I would say that they fall <laughs> under, you know, obviously, the main characters, the top, the, you know, all right, so I think they're like second tier main characters. Exactly, precisely, and 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 they were well cast, and and you know the 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 uh, actress that played Jordan Baker was was good as well, although I can't pronounce her name. Um, so anyway, but but DiCaprio stole the show. Like his performance was absolutely stunning, as I wrote in my review. He he manages to find the right balance of of longing and infatuation, and plus Gatsby's unrealistic hopefulness for achieving the things that he wants, and yet shows that just behind that curtain lurks something that's a little bit more dangerous, right? Uh, that, that that was the perfect portrayal of Gatsby, I thought. Yeah. And then um, a lot of people, I don't know how you fall on this, a lot of people don't like Tobey Maguire just as a rule. Like, if, if Tobey Maguire's in it, it's bad. Uh, I don't feel that way, and I felt yet again, like most of the things I've seen Tobey Maguire in, I've been just fine with him, and, and yet I felt yet again that he was great in his role here as Nick Carraway. I, much, much better uh, than the actor from before, uh, which, what was his name? Sam Watterson. So, uh, really enjoyed that. Carrie Mulligan, again, as Daisy Buchanan. I, just, I can't think of him as anything other than Spider-Man. Is the, my problem. I did not have that problem, actually. I, I thought I would. I thought, oh, this is going to be Spider-Man, but I, I never once thought of Spider-Man in the film at all. Didn't, didn't, didn't not enter my mind. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that. And, and again, Carrie Mulligan was perfectly cast as Daisy. I, 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 you know, knowing more now about the character, I don't think Mia Farrow was the right choice in 1974. Carrie Mulligan is absolutely the right choice now in 2013. So, do you have anything to add? I don't. I think that Carrie Mulligan could have done better, honestly. Really? But okay, so you do have something to add. So, no, not really. I just think that, <laughs> I just think that you know, Next to DiCaprio, you could. It's a it's a tough act to follow. Mm. I I I really enjoyed Would it. Would be next to. What, okay. What did you think of Joel Edgerton's Tom Buchanan? Uh, right on par with what you would expect. Yeah, absolutely. So. Everything done. Uh, you know, as somebody who's seen a couple movie, a couple Great Gatsby movies, and then read the book again, this is who you imagine Tom Buchanan to be. Yep. If you need to think of Tom Buchanan, this is who you think of. Scumbag. Yeah. Very pretentious, uh, full of himself. Yeah. All right. I'm skimming through my article here to see if there was anything else I wanted to mention. Do you have anything else you want to mention? No, I think that's um, I think that's it. Definitely a movie that I'd like to see again. And yeah. I accidentally, um, what I did was I bought a movie ticket on Fandango. And then it was sold out. So I now have a movie ticket uh, that I need to use because I ended up having to just buy it at the theater. So the question is, when, what am I going to use this next movie ticket on? And would it be a waste to go and see it again? 
I don't know. For for me, I, I mean, I don't want to see it again. I'll probably see it again someday. I don't want to see it again right now because it wasn't like as much as I enjoyed it. I, I did have story problems with it. So, uh, but you know, that's entirely up to you. I don't know. Hmm. I'll have to think about it. Yeah. So what is what is your bottom line for people? What 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 kind of star rating would you give it, and what would you tell them to to support whatever position you're going to posit here? I will tell you before I give a star rating because I haven't really thought about it. Um, I will tell you this. First, you need to read the book first. I think that that is, uh, I think this is one of those movies where you really have to do that. Luckily, I think most people have, uh, so that's not really an issue. But I would go and reread it. It's like 100 pages long. It's not a big deal. Uh, It's more of like a pamphlet than a book. Um, But it's a great book. And uh, the movie does it justice better than any other adaptation I've seen before. Is it a, I think it's a very good movie. Uh, and I think it is, you know, like I said, the best great Gatsby movie we've ever seen. That being said, probably a 3.75 four to a four, you know what I, (laughs) 3.75 to a four. I'm not going to three decimal places, 3.75 to a four. Not really sure. I don't know if it's worth the full four stars. Um, but there is a lot to love in this movie. And if you're a Gatsby fan, if you're a fan of, uh, anything Boz Lerman does, there's a lot of good reasons to see this movie. So are you going on a four-star system or a five-star system? Uh, five-star. Five okay, okay. I was a little bit confused by something you said. So, um, Okay, well, I will say that uh, the film is worth seeing. I, I did enjoy seeing it. Um, I, I really, stylistically, it was just, oh, it, it was just right up my um, alley. I, I really, really, really can't say enough good things about the style of this film. I, I, I loved it so much. But I I have a hard time recommending it because of the flaws that I feel are inherent to the story and the perspective. So that said, I do give it three of five. And the way I think about this, we've talked about this many times before. I'll just briefly recap. Two and a half stars is kind of a neutral position. Didn't didn't love it, didn't hate it. So anything over two and a half gets on the positive side. And anything under two and a half is in the negatives. Uh, I did enjoy the film enough to rate it just slightly positively. Uh, and, and so it's probably, it may be worth watching to you in the theater, depending on how you feel about that. Uh, extraordinarily good filmmaking, technically and storytelling wise, uh, and, and all that, that stuff, just extraordinary filmmaking. Uh, wish we could see more films like this. That's how I would summarize the film. Nice. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, as I've already mentioned, 48% from the critics, 84% from the, uh, audience. So the audience is enjoying it much more than the critics. IMDb, it's rating 7.5 out of 10 stars on a five star scale. That's 3.75 right there with you. Awesome. All right. Well, so next week, uh, next week is going to be a good episode, I think. And, uh, Alex, I hope you will listen because uh, we're going to have Anthony Pascal on the show. Uh, the reason why we're not even doing this show at the normal time, normally we do this show live on Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, for you Eastern Time Zone people like you, Alex, that would be 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, that's normally when we do the show. But tomorrow I'm going to be in the IMAX theater watching Star Trek Into Darkness uh, at around the time we would normally do the show. A little after, but I wouldn't be able to make it to the theater and do the show. So uh, that's why we're doing the show on Tuesday this week. Uh, next week we will be talking about Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, despite myself, despite the fact that I didn't enjoy J.J. Abrams' last installment as much as I would have liked. I am looking forward to this greatly. We're going to have uh, Anthony Pascal of TrekMovie.com. Pascal, I never do say that right. Anthony Pascal of TrekMovie.com will be on the show next week to talk about and review Star Trek Into Darkness with us. I'm I'm super excited. I'm so excited I'm going to play a little music from the previous Star Trek film here. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you will want to uh, join us for that episode. It's going to be great. Uh, Really love Star Trek. Can't say enough good things about Star Trek for the most part. Um. All right, enough of that. I think I might. That might be what I use my uh, movie ticket for. Yeah, this is empowering having this movie ticket. I because otherwise I wouldn't have spent it. I wouldn't have got. I wouldn't have got it. I have a feeling that this film. I'm going to like this film better than J.J. Abrams' first installment in the Star Trek universe. Inherently, I think that J.J. was going to always have problems uh, uh, making a good film on its, on his first outing for me because I didn't like the concept of. I know technically he didn't erase the previous timeline, but basically resetting Star Trek. I just didn't like that whole that, that whole thing set wrong with me. But 
But then again, as as anyone knows, I'm I'm a big Star Trek nerd. So, uh, but I have a feeling that this film is gonna I'm gonna like it a lot better. So, make sure to tune Here's in for hoping. that next week. What's that? I said, here's hoping. Yeah. So Alex, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, people are probably going to want to follow you on Twitter and catch up with your work on the internet and stuff now. So how can they do that? Well, you know, again, because I have this incredibly cool name, I had to just go for using my name on Twitter. So my Twitter name is unsurprisingly, uh, at Alex arena. You can find basically, I guess the kind of everything that I do at Alex that is my self-titled web blog of limited interest. And then you can find the things of a greater interest that I do at Q. That's Q-U-E dot A-N. All right. How's that? That's great. Does that sum it up? I think it does. And uh, you know what? I am on Twitter. If you want to follow me, you may do so. Uh, at TJ Draper Pro is how you get a hold of me on Twitter and follow me and put me on a list or whatever you want to do. And, you know, pay attention to my rantings and ravings and whatnot. You can do that. Uh, also, uh, most of my writing these days, uh, I used to I used to do buzzingpixel.com. I haven't written out there in a while, so you probably just want to follow my work on moviebyte.com. That's where I do most of the writing about movies and stuff. I do that every single day. We keep you up to date. Uh, also, if you want to uh, give this show a rating in iTunes, we would greatly appreciate that if you could give us a good rating and review in iTunes. So go to iTunes, search for the MovieByte podcast, and that will be the first result that comes up is the MovieByte podcast. So... Uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you do that. Uh, you can also follow MovieByte on Twitter. We're at MovieByte. Uh, visit the website, MovieByte.com. Uh, show notes for this episode are at MovieByte.com slash podcast slash 44, because this is our 44th episode. I think that pretty much wraps us up. Be sure to tune in next week. We're out of here. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.